this idea that on your darkest day, whatever that looks like for you, that a very small gesture of kindness might be the thing that gets you through that day, when maybe you thought you couldn't. We're not saying it has to be this big thing where you join an organisation to do it, but let's just do more of it. This is Down to Earth Conversations, where we hear from ordinary people who are helping to bring a bit of heaven down to earth. Kia ora. Welcome to another episode of Down to Earth Conversations with me, your host, Andy Dixon. Thanks for joining me for another conversation with another ordinary person who is doing good in the world, making it just a little bit more like heaven. Today's guest is Katie Rowden, who is the General Manager of Good Bitches Baking, a small charity here in Aotearoa, New Zealand, with a big impact in the lives of so many through the art of baking. We talk about how the organisation started, how it got its name and why they're sticking with it, how they are using baking as a vehicle to share kindness, and how that kindness actually breeds more kindness. We hear some of the feedback that their Good Bitches have received and thanks for their baking, and we see that one simple act can make an enormous difference in someone else's life. I hope this inspires you to see how you can use who you are and what you do to share kindness and goodness with the world. This is episode 68 of Down to Earth Conversations. Here's Katie Rowden. I'm here today with Katie Rowden. Katie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me, Andy. Uh, And nor here, queer. Tell us a bit about yourself. Sure. So currently, Andy, I reside in Wanaka in the South Island in the mountains, which is a glorious place to live. I've lived here just over four years now. And I moved here with my family. So my husband, James, and my two kids, Harry and Betsy, we moved from Sydney, where we had lived for a long time, although I am actually English originally. But I've nearly lived away from England as long as I lived there, I guess. So I'm kind of like been Antipodean for half my life and, and before that British. So um, our move to Wanaka was really um, a desire, I guess, to have a new experience for our family and to potentially get out of the rat race that was Sydney. And I had a real long-standing affiliation with New Zealand. I first came here after I finished school in my late teens and um, – ended up in Queenstown and fell in love with it a little bit. So I guess I've found a full way back in the end. Yeah, nice. So, um, yeah, so we love living here and um, and my professional background was actually uh, kind of a bit of a Jill of all trades or Jack of all trades, Jill of all trades, in small business ownership and um, in various different industries but also always did a lot of volunteer work as well. And when I moved to New Zealand, it was really a time for me to think carefully about um, what I really wanted to do and, and, and what my heart was telling me to do rather than my head. So I made a, um, a, a move, a very purposeful move into working more into the um, sort of social services and charitable sector, um, which has led me to my current role with Good Bitches Baking as the general manager. I've been in this role now just over a year. Nice. And what, what sort of businesses were you involved in? So when I was involved in... Um, telecommunications which I'll be honest just bored me to tears it was my husband's business and he needed a a wingman a business wingman so we did this together 
um, for 10 years. Uh, we, it was a full service telco business. But like any small business, I think you have to wear lots of different hats, right? And you sort of, you get to be quite good at a bunch of different things and they're very transferable. And, um, and then I went on to have my children and then had a couple of years uh, sort of having a bit of time out with them and then um, started an online retail business. Again, it was a kind of a work from home business. So it was that, you know, it was that dilemma of wanting to do something purposeful with life, make some money and be the mum and do all the things. So it definitely ticked that box. Um, yeah. Well, that, that's essentially the space that we've found ourselves in, you know, um, Beck started our business for the same sort of reasons that um, she was at home. Um, she'd been doing a um, sort of a wedding cake business as well, but that was, it was paying for itself, but it was more about keeping her sane and giving her some creativity outside of parenting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then and then started Sugar Lips as a business to um, give her that same sort of balance that you're talking about. And then I get to come in as the wingman on that one. So yeah. Um, so now we do that together. But yeah, oh, that's really cool. And it is that that dilemma, right? You know, you you sort of there has to be compromise. You you actually can't really have it all. Well, you can't have it all at the same time, right? <laughs> so um, you know, looking back, I would I would never have changed that. You know, my kids are getting older now, early teens, and um, they still need you, but they need you in a different way. So I guess that's freed up my head and um, time a bit more to to refocus as well. Yeah. Yeah. So like you said, you're now the general manager of Good Bitches Baking. I first encountered it through, um, obviously, Bex and I running Sugar Lips, which is a yep. baking and cake decorating supplies business. And it turned out that a number of our customers were some of your volunteers. Yeah. Uh, and so that's how kind of we first got introduced to it. And, and actually that's led Bex to being a volunteer now too, um, which has been great. So I've learned a little bit about it through that. But for those who don't know about it, can you tell us a bit about what is Good Bitches Baking and how did you come to be involved? Yeah, sure. So the charity was founded in 2014 in Wellington by two Wellington women, Nick Murray and Marie Fitzpatrick. They were two two friends and I guess they were sort of, well, story goes they were out in a bar having a you know ruminating on the world and kind of seeing a lot of you know pretty not great things in their own communities but also that dilemma of how do we help how do we do something and sometimes you know societal issues and things seem so much bigger than you and you're always thinking well what you know if I could do one thing what could that be for me and and how the sort of concept evolved was this idea that on your darkest day, whatever that looks like for you, that a very small gesture of kindness might be the thing that gets you through that day when maybe you thought you couldn't. Um, and to be able to deliver that in a tangible way, I guess baking is something A, that people can do, but that, you know, food is love, right? <laughs> so then the challenge was, okay, so if we've got this concept of how we can deliver moments of sweetness, as we call them, to complete strangers, you know, how do we go about scaling that up? And I guess that's where the idea um came that maybe they could ask their mates if anyone was keen and before they knew it they popped something on Facebook and it just went off <laughs> yeah it went off and so um that was the the founding of the first chapter which was Wellington which now some you know eight years later has um 500 volunteers um and then we spread our wings from there so we now across the country both in the north and south island have a collective of 29 chapters so our furthest north chapter is in Whangarei and our furthest south is in Invercargill. Then we have everything in between. Um, and our, basically our model of how we run the organisation is that we have, um, so our volunteers, as you mentioned, that we, we fondly refer to as our good bitches. So they're our home volunteers 
who either bake or drive or do both. And then what we do is we partner with what we call recipient organisations across the country. So currently, volunteers-wise, we have around 2,900 good bitches or volunteers, and we partner with nearly 350 organisations. And those organisations range. Um, We work with people like refuges, food bank, hospice, um, sexual violence support organisations, gender minorities, night shelters, NICU. Um, And the one thing those recipient organisations all have in common is that in lots of different ways, they're all supporting people who are going through a tough time. Um, And that's our delivery model. So it's sort of the bakers go on to our very sophisticated rostering system that was custom built for us called, fondly known as the the BMS, which stands for the Bitch Management System. And it's super fancy. It's got some serious algorithm that runs through there so that we can do our best job to match up our volunteers' um, availability, locations, all these different nuances with where our recipients are located so they get matched up with a, you know, with a date and time and recipient to, to do their baking for. Um, it gets delivered to the recipients and they then go and share that with the people that use their services. So it's a really simple model, um, but it's a really effective one. Um, so much so that, you know, last year, um, last calendar year, we delivered over around nearly 22,000 um, white boxes. So um, that's pretty pretty significant. Yeah. Um, and I guess the other unique thing about our model a bit is you know, volunteers are key to any charitable organisation, you know, they're often the lifeblood, but our volunteers also um, contribute financially to their own ingredients, fuel, other consumables that are needed to create the baking, and that's a huge cost um, that we wouldn't be able to sustain ourselves. Um, so, yeah, we, we sort of put a value of about $90 onto a box of baking by the time you've accounted for volunteer time and all those other bits and pieces so that's nearly around two million dollars of voluntary contribution through good bitches which is pretty pretty rad so yeah 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 if you were going and buying that from a bakery to then give to someone yeah that cost is getting up isn't it yeah and then that's the whole thing right like there's often some unreal things that get put into our chapter facebook groups but the whole idea of being a good bitch is it's not if it's fancy it's just the idea that you've created something from your heart at home in your own kitchen to give to someone else you know it's kind of that beacon of hope yeah. right so um as much as there is a little competition out there we're not about the competition yeah. we're just about yeah. the, the doing the thing right you know whatever that looks like for you we have heaps of our volunteers who get their kids involved um whether to do the baking decorate the boxes yeah. um yeah sure. yeah i was gonna i was gonna say that our four-year-old has had a great time decorating mm. the boxes yeah and and I think we've had more comments on his decorating of the box than we have on the baking that we've delivered. Yeah, that so, says yeah. a lot, right? Because even that, even that decoration, it's it's the sentiment behind it, and that's the yeah. thing about this charity. It's I think a lot of our individual volunteers sometimes don't see what they're doing as a big deal, but that that collectiveness um, has a huge a huge impact, and it often is entirely unexpected by the people who receive the baking. You know, we hear often comments. Um, about people feeling seen and valued often in a community where they don't usually get the opportunity for whatever their circumstance might be. Um, and it's such a simple thing, right? But if you have that yeah. impact, like how, how cool is that? Yeah. Um, and in terms of how I got involved, um, I, uh, as I said earlier, when you asked me, I was, I was sort of, I dabbled in a few different charitable organizations since I moved here. Um, and I saw this role come up 
and um, I, of course I was struck by the name like many people are right it's memorable it's fun it's sassy but it's but with good intent you know the idea that it's people that roll their sleeves up um, will we'll do the best they can possibly do and 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 the whole concept of the organization and how it came about had really really appealed to me um, yeah. and I guess this this whole small business thing being a general manager of a small charity you wear a lot of hats right you have to be pretty good at a bunch of different stuff so that ticks up that ticked a whole load of my my boxes as well I guess yeah yeah for some people having a more specialized role in a bigger thing would be their thing mm. But for other people, actually having this thing where you get to do a lot of different bits and pieces, and that's one thing I love about working alongside Bex in our small business is, you know, one one minute I'm bagging sprinkles, yeah. and the next the next minute I'm doing accounting, yeah. but then the next minute I'm helping with some marketing creative idea, um, and then I'm getting in touch with our charities that we support through it, and you know, it's just a diverse thing that for me again ticks the boxes like like you're saying so I totally get that yeah I, I agree and I think because as well um just like with any small business like you mentioned because we're uh, uh well we're well we're, well we've been around for a while now we're still a relatively young charity and also relatively small certainly in terms of um our internal staff I mean there's only three of us in this organization that are in any kind of a paid capacity that's and that two part-timers myself who who works full-time um and beyond that um you know we sort of rely on 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 the expertise of a bunch of different people and that honestly blows me away sometimes we'll need a hand with some particular thing and we don't have the skill set and we use um you know some great resources now to find um find people that want to volunteer with you for a special specialist skill set and sometimes I can't believe the people that are like throwing their hat in the ring and saying hey we'll help you out with that and I'm like excellent yeah. <laughs> no idea how to do that and you know so so yeah. it's amazing the people that jump on board and help you not only with our the baking and delivering side of what we do but also all the other what we call our hq activities as well which which are all needed to keep us moving forward and being innovative as a charity as well so yeah it's very cool you mentioned the name and that's obviously something that like when you encounter the organization that's the first thing that hits you I guess what what's the thinking behind the name mm. and what does it mean to you? Yeah. Well, um so when Nick and Marie founded the charity, I think, you know, they'd sort of thought that maybe Nick and Marie's baking circle wasn't gonna sort of have the impact that they were hoping. And I think that was the truth of yeah. it, you know, it was just about trying to do something that would be a get their attention. But I think also it was an opportunity to challenge and push boundaries. Um, you know, the idea being that a good bitch is very much, in our opinion, you know, it's a gender neutral term. It's around the um, the ethos of the person and their attitude towards life. Um, you know, it's it's it, it's you know, it's often said that people don't think twice about calling someone a, a you know a good bastard or a whatever. You know, it's it's, it's almost like a a term of high praise um, in that sense. And we view this the same. The idea that you know, if you're willing to um, you know, to 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 dig your heels in and do something good for other people that does make you um, a good bitch. And also, it's about reclaiming it. You know, traditionally, um, we actually have on our website a whole little section on there about how the word came to being, how the word um, you know bitch came to being, and 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 what you know, and how that was all tied, um, what its origins were tied to. So it's about reclaiming and turning something that's traditionally been used in a negative way, kind of. Into yeah, I, I was reading all that. That was that was fascinating. Like yeah. linked to the the suffrage movement yeah. and yeah. you know people who are opposed to that and yeah 
it's like wow that's you know when you start to look at it it's actually got some really negative um, origins yeah exactly and so for you to be able to turn that on its head I yeah. think is really amazing and, and you know look like with anything in life if you if you push the envelope and you choose to you know push it you know a little bit of a boundary there'll always be um you know people that have have opinions right they do about everything in life but overwhelmingly <laughs> you know yeah. the name is the name we're not changing it we're proud of it and and the you know, as are the vast majority of the people who support us. You know, we have plenty of corporate partners and grant grant makers who fund our work and obviously volunteers. So we love it. And, you know, my kids like to say it now a lot at home because if they put it in front of me, I've got no issue. So Yeah, right. We're at the stage where we can talk about it with the girls. We just we aren't saying it in front of the four year old because we don't want him going to kindy and calling his teachers that in out of context. Yeah, there's always yeah, context is so, everything in life. Isn't yeah, it's totally. anything, yes. Quite but I I really liked actually on the website, um, there's a particular part where you're talking about the name and you say that you you're inviting people and I'm quoting here, to examine why they're so offended and to perhaps reconsider their thinking. And I actually I thought about that and went, that's just a really good life practice. Mm. You know, that when we get offended, to actually just stop and go, well, what is it that is offending me? And where is that coming from? And is that telling me something about me? And I mean, you might end up in a place where you're like, look, I still don't like the name. Um, and that's that's fine. But I, I just think that's a great piece of advice to go, hey, let's just stop and have a think here rather than just reacting. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I quite agree with you. Yeah. You said you've grown from the that first chapter up to 29 chapters throughout the country. That's like an incredible amount of growth and a like you say, quite a small amount of time overall. Yeah. What what would you put that growth down to? Yeah, look, I think um very much in the beginning in the beginning it was Nick and Marie's exceptional hard work. You know, not only were they working in their own full time careers with their own families, but having this awesome idea and then just wanting it to wanting it to grow. So I think there was a lot of people that they uh, you know, that they encouraged in their own networks and people they knew in different geographies. But I think this is probably where, again, where it comes down to the name, right? I think the name helped them get a lot of good press initially and a lot of visibility, um, you know, in the marketplace a little bit. So, um, and the other thing I think they worked really hard on as a charity initially, and it's something that I've been super impressed with since I've started, is just how well set up um, the charity was in terms of its operational procedures so that when you wanted to grow um, there was a there was a sort of a format to do that so it wasn't um, you know it was easily replicated if you like yeah and things like this um, this bitch management system this BMS system was you know a work in progress for five years of actually uh, one of the wow. founders' husbands who did that and probably probably wished he'd never offered initially, but now we you know we've created <laughs> yeah. this this thing that that really has made the organisation scalable. I mean, before we had this, there were some of the larger chapters. You know, they had volunteers that were spending up to twenty hours a month on rostering these volunteers and matching up needs and requirements. Wow. So it was pretty crazy. So I think um, it's probably partly that that um, those operational tools that are supporting the business, and I think just. The idea being that the concept's quite simple, so it's not too overwhelming. Yeah. So I guess if you're looking to go, if we're looking to go into a new area, there's a few things we'd need to look at. So things like, um, you know, do we have ideal recipient organisations that are in this particular area? Is there, you know, um, 
you know, is there a, a large enough population or does the geography support the model so that, you know, there's recipients that live not that are based not too far away from where people live or work? Um, you know, th- those kinds of things. But I think really it was just the idea that um, it's also simple in practice. I think part of, part of yeah. the challenge for volunteer organisations um, these days with a lot of people in full-time work or having lots of other things that they do in their life is how you get that commitment of volunteers ongoing. And I think this model works well for that because you do as little or as much as you like in the sense that you know if you can if you can bake once a month, great if you can bake every week great but that's sort of your commitment that's where it starts and that's where it ends um as opposed to say having to show up at a place on wednesday every wednesday from two 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 o'clock in the afternoon say that's not often very realistic for people so i think it's the flexibility of the volunteer model that's worked really well for growth um and you know at the end of the day again just relying on awesome people who are willing to maybe step up into one of those volunteer leadership roles and, and lead or support in a chapter committee again those guys are the are the lifeblood of this organization they understand the communities they live in they understand the challenges that maybe their volunteers face because parts of the country are really different right it's not a one-size-fits-all if you're in central Auckland it's very different to if you're in um, Oamaru or somewhere else you know it's totally it's a totally different um, community different needs and it's that local intel I think that's um, that's that's essential as well but you know but I think it's the simplicity more than anything that supported the growth simple to start and and to start a chapter but also simple to attract people into the model to contribute as well. I really like that in terms of thinking about other people who have ideas um, of good things they could be doing I really like that that thought that you know let's make this simple thing but let's still have good systems around it yeah. so that it so that it works and that it it doesn't become something that we can't manage yeah I think also the fact that like you're now in the organization as the general manager and and Nick and Marie aren't having to feel like they need to be the general managers or you know anything like that again that's a really good model that there are people that have ideas and get things up and running. And there are other people who come along and help keep it running and keep it going. And that's actually really healthy. And I, I think some people don't start things because they're worried that, well, then I'm going to have all this thing that I'm going to have to carry forever. Um, but it's not always like that, is it? No, I think it's not. And I think, um, you know, so Nick and Marie were involved for a very long time and they've both now stepped away completely. And we also now have, um, well, we have a, you know, we're a charitable trust, so we have a charitable board. So we have six board members now that truly can be governing board members. So they're, they're focused on governance and strategy. They're not trying to do all the operational bits and pieces. Yeah. So we also now have resources as well. So apart from myself, we have Hannah, who works part-time as our marketing and communications manager, and another lady, Nat, who's our operations manager now. So I think those core skill sets, and along with mine, really you know, they all complement each other, but it just means we have more resource, right, and more and more time. Because I think, like you said before, with any charity that starts, the goodwill and intention is there. But then when it, you know, when it snowballs like it did with GBB, it can get overwhelming. You know, so many great ideas, but how do you execute them all? Then where do you find the money from and, and all that kind of thing? In fact, I read the other day that apparently per head globally, New Zealand has more charities than anywhere else in the world. Wow. I think it's one charity per... 168 people, I believe, I read. Don't quote me on that, but it's not that. 
Um, That's phenomenal, though. Yeah. So, to, and, and of those, you know, a lot in terms of how the Charities Commission would rank them, they'd be tier four charities. So, not turning over that much um, financially, but, you know, they all have the same challenges, right? You know, we've got this, and just like these guys, right? This charity was founded on, on, on a great idea, you know, and then, and then it was, okay, how do we systemize this thing? How do we, how do we make it into a proper business? How do we grow it? Um, and I think that's, you know, that's the challenge for a lot of charities, particularly those that rely on volunteers or voluntary committees, that kind of thing. Um, sometimes hard to keep the momentum going. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think knowing when it's time to hand over to someone else is actually really crucial. And, you know, there, there have been charities that have got up and running on good intentions and good ideas. And then after a while, those that started it have ended up overwhelmed and then it's kind of fizzled out. Whereas being able to to do what, what um, Nick and Marie have done of going, hey, we're going to be involved. We're going to do a lot of work. You know, it sounds like they work their butts off. But then they also knew when it was time for them to step away for whatever reasons and to hand over to other people. And I think that's a really healthy model for others to look at and go, oh, right, you know, we can do that too. Um, you, you say on the website, for us, baking is a vehicle for talking about kindness. And um, and then I love in your your vision and your mission, and it goes back to that conversation that you said that Nick and Marie were having in the first place, that... Uh, in your mission and your vision, you don't even actually mention baking because it is the vehicle. It's not the purpose. Yeah. Um, and so I'll just, I'll read out the mission and vision. Um, it says, we want to make Aotearoa the kindest place on earth. Uh, and then the vision is kindness is redemptive to everyone involved. Everyone deserves to receive kindness. Everyone can benefit from the opportunity to be kind. Um, I mean, my first thought is it seems really simple when you put it like that. Um that actually this is just about kindness. Yeah. I mean, that's it, right? It is just the, you know, baking's the vehicle. It's, it's an easy vehicle. It's a tangible vehicle. It's, 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 um, you know, it, it is simple and that's kind of the beauty of it. And I think some of the, th- we're actually just working at the moment on, um, we've got some funding towards the end of last year to do a piece, uh, a research project. And we're just in the midst of doing that now. And one of the things we're looking at in that research project is how we actually close that circle of kindness. So how how do people who've been shown kindness, how do they themselves get the opportunity to then be able to show that to others? And 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 the idea being that, you know, if we can close that circle, you know, that will increase uh, and promote resilience and compassion within communities. Um, and it doesn't have to be complicated, but oftentimes it is about the opportunity so some of the things we're working on at the moment aside from our our BAU our business as usual as we call it which is this delivery to recipient model we're looking at how um what other things we can do and again some of these concepts that we're trialing are not complicated but they're of the same um the same sort of ilk so one of the um things we're doing we loosely call it collaborative bitching so it's the idea that in actual fact some of our recipients and now themselves becoming a, a group volunteer. So I'll give you a good example of that one. So last year, myself and our head bitch, my Wellington chapter, went to do a workshop at a teen parent unit in the Hot Valley. And um, we did a, a you know workshop with the girls. It was really fun. We did some baking with them, had some chats around kindness. Um, and they were already a recipient of us on Monday morning. They they receive a box of baking to share amongst themselves. 
and now they've taken the step to come onto our roster themselves. So they're now becoming a collaborative bitch and they now are going to be baking for another organization in their own community as well. That's so good. And it's sometimes just giving people that chance, right? You don't know what you don't know, or maybe you just don't have the opportunity, or maybe you've grown up in an environment where kindness wasn't apparent in your life. You know, you have to have been shown something to be able to experience it and then be able to yeah. give it. So there's lots of other things that we're um, that we're working on like that. Also, um, thinking outside of, of, of that box, sort of trying to target people who maybe don't have the opportunity or the time to be kind. So another concept we're working on is something we're calling business bitching. And that's where we're looking to partner with the, the corporate, you know, the corporate world. So, you know, a lot of corporates now are thinking about how they can um, sort of, sort of, um, you know, be more proactive with their social and corporate responsibility. Um, and oftentimes, you know, executives or people in busy roles, maybe they don't have time to volunteer in a traditional sense, but this is still maybe giving them that opportunity to dabble and see what that feels like. And hey, you know, if, if they like it, maybe they'll come on as a regular volunteer. So it's about just giving people those opportunities, right? Yeah. And another thing we're just restarting, we had, um, obviously, we all enjoyed COVID for a couple of years where a lot of things got put on hold. One of the initiatives that we'd started prior to COVID was a program called Prison Bake, where we had some of our volunteers go into um, prisons to work with with prisoners, again, on a six-week baking program, giving them a taster of, um, you know, learning a new skill, sure, but also um, the most impactful part of that program was that the baking um, that the participants did that also went back out into their own communities and, and was given to recipients. So we're just um, kicking off that program again with um, a couple of prisons this year. And we hope to do that, you know, with more. So again, this idea that, um, you know, everyone, you know, what, what we said in terms of everyone has, you know, that opportunity to be kind and everyone deserves to, re- to you know, to receive kindness. So, um, so it's kind of like, it's still baking, but, slightly differently but still you know you know that concept and top marks on the name too prison bakers excellent yeah that was a that was a nick and marie special and, <laughs> and it is easy to sometimes say prison break break by accident. Yeah. <laughs> more often than not in fact yes <laughs> yeah oh no that's good but no what a what a great use of a vehicle of baking to teach kindness and to show kindness kind of all in the same space and and like you're saying to give the opportunity to be kind and that those things all kind of go hand in hand and yet baking is just a very simple idea mm-hmm. when it comes down to it so no that's really beautiful and I think on that as well I think sometimes our volunteers get so blown away by the feedback they hear from our recipients because for them often our volunteers have not all of them of course but so many of them have probably taken kindness a bit for granted right that they've never they've never not been shown it and they've never not been able to give it so the idea that you know there's plenty of people in this country and all over the world of course but who never have had that um you know we do a a sort of a, a recipient survey every year where we sort of survey all our recipients on what we do and how we can do it better and the impact that our work has on the people they work with and it often you know it blows you away some of the things that you hear I remember last year I had a little bit of a tear up I will say um when one of the feed- feedback was um just something simple like this receiving this baking this this must be how it feels like when you have a mum you know oh wow and I was just like oh geez like 
Yes, I mean. Wow. And so, and this is the thing, like when these volunteers read this or we often get, you know, private, you know, messages to our Facebook group. um, Some we get quite a lot actually is we have a lot of mums and dads who have little premature babies in NICUs and we work with quite a lot of NICUs across the country. And they'll say things like, you know, we've been here for two months now or whatever and you guys have no idea how much joy it is when we come into that, you know, family room and we see the white boxes there with the note. You guys have no idea. Yeah, um, yeah what an impact it makes. Pretty cool. I was going to ask you about that actually because, like, the, the whole idea that kindness is redemptive to everyone involved, it's really easy for people who have good ideas about being generous or being kind to end up in that kind of saviour complex mm-hmm. kind of kind of thing where you feel like, well, we're the ones who are going in and and doing the kindness. But actually what you what I'm hearing from you is that actually in doing that, people themselves are receiving something back and that it's like a mutual showing of kindness and a mutual learning and a mutual growing yeah Um, is that your experience yeah I think definitely and also the idea that um you know that we provide this baking or this service whatever you want to call it or this thing that we do with absolutely no judgment you know so that uh, you know people are having a tough time for all kinds of reasons and we don't judge why they are or or what their situation is it is what it is and this is something small that you know, that we can do. But I think, um, you know, the other thing is when we think about, uh, okay, this is a thing like an organisation that, that that people are part of to do this, you know, demonstrative showing of kindness, as you say. But I think some of the, you know, a lot of the things, it can be a small thing. It's just like saying hi to someone, right, or paying them a compliment or it's a small thing. We're not saying it has to be this big thing where you join an organisation to do it. But let's just do more of it, you know. I think the irony is, right, an organisation like this, maybe we could have argued that generations ago this just happened, right, this stuff just happened, like communities looked out for each other. And, of course, they still do, don't don't get me wrong, people are yeah. still helping people all the time. But in a way, just the nature of, you know, if you think about things like urban settings where often people now are living in apartments or they're, or, or they're living in um, housing situations where maybe even the opportunity to meet their neighbours or the people around them is not easy to do because of those living circumstances or it's taken away maybe a lot of those um, those organic opportunities to, to promote and, and show kindness to each other. So I think, um, yeah, I think, and, and I think also, you know, maybe when you do the thing that you do. So, you know, if we go and do workshops with young people, you know, I went to, I've done a couple of these where you have no idea actually if the thing you're doing is having an impact, but doesn't matter because maybe it'll happen in five, 10 years. Maybe it'll be just the fact that someone had that opportunity and then, and then they remember it and they're in a place to remember it or act on it or show kindness themselves. Um, yeah. Yeah. Not everything you do has to have maximum impact, does it? No. Nah. And the idea is with kindness, the the whole idea, the whole principle of it, right, is that you don't expect anything in return. It's funny. It sounds a lot like podcasting, actually. Putting it out to the world, not sure what's going to happen. Yeah. You know, I I just think that whole uh, focus on kindness, and like you're saying, it doesn't mean that everyone has to join Good Bitches Baking in order to be kind. No. But actually, if we could all just bring a bit more kindness into the world, what a better place we would have, you know? Yeah. yeah, I just think that's great. And and even thinking what you were saying about the 
the living situations that people are in. You know, we we live up a driveway and you go, it's a shared driveway and there's two units on one side and two on the other. And it wasn't that long ago that one of the neighbours came over and said, I've just started baking a cake, but I don't have any cocoa. I thought I had some. Do you have some? And I just went, this is amazing. Like, this is what it should be like. Yeah. Um, and yet you're right. It's for so many people. It's not for a, a whole host of reasons. Um, but yeah, that, that also, uh, one of the things I like about what you're doing is that you're not putting, or you're trying to take barriers down from people being able to be involved and be kind um, and so like you, you talked about, you've got some people who are just drivers, you know, they don't do the baking, yeah. but they're happy to, to, to deliver it. Um, but also I noticed on the website, you've got a thing called the cup of sugar program. Yeah. Do you want to just describe that a little bit? Cause that, that's this whole idea of taking down the barriers, isn't it? Yeah. So the cup of sugar program is a program we have where we have, uh, where we received donations that go into this cup of sugar program and its intention is that that is there as a fund to be used by anyone who would like to be a good bitch and contribute in, in the way, in the way our model works, but, but they have a financial barrier to doing so. So um, the idea being they can, you know, they can email at any time and then we organize a supermarket voucher for them, which gets sent to them so that they can go themselves and choose what they want to make, bake and, and, and have all top, we don't send them a bunch of stuff, like go and choose what they want to make. Um, and they too can, can participate. Because as I mentioned before, um, I guess financially, we'd sort of be out of business pretty quickly if, um, if, we, if we provided the ingredients for all our volunteers. We just couldn't do that. But, but we don't want, to your point, we don't ever want something like a financial barrier to be an issue, um, you know, which has been telling after things like COVID and things like that when, when people's circumstances changed a lot. Um, and actually, um, you know, just things like we have just thinking about the cyclone that's that's just happened recently in the North Island. We have two chapters, one in Gisborne and, and one in Napier Hastings as well. So we've been doing a little bit of extra support for those guys um, just to, to help them out. Uh, the resilience unbelievable. I mean, in Napier Hastings, I think two days after the cyclone hit, one of our committee members was pretty much sitting on the top of a hill with a laptop trying to get some reception so she could message our operations manager to help her modify the roster because unsurprisingly a few of our volunteers yeah. didn't get it, but they were still very concerned that their baking may or may not get there, you know, and now they're yeah, all back right. baking where they can. And I mean, again, like unbelievable, you know, the head bitch up there, she's buddied up some people because a few people in that chapter that have, you know, um, either got severe damage at home or have lost their homes and just looking out for each other, even within this community of good bitches, you know, yeah. their good bitching is going way beyond the thing they're there to do. It's just this idea of looking out for each other. Um, and again, showing kindness, right. In any way you can. That's really beautiful. Yeah, it is. Um, they don't call us good bitches for no reason, Andy. Yeah. Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> so we're two from here for, Katie Rowden and Good Bitches Baking? Oof, well, I mean, I'm thoroughly enjoying, you know, enjoying this role. As I said, I'm only about 14 months into it. What I love about, I guess, this charity being smaller is that there's lots of opportunity to play and be innovative and try new things. Um, I guess we're not so big that we've got a lot of, you know, bureaucracy and, um, and red tape. So, uh, you know, some of the things that I'll be focused on in the next year or so, we'll be thinking, how do we maximize our current um, 
model of business. So are there strategic or geographic areas where we might be able to set up a new chapter or if we can't for whatever reason, but there's still need, what other innovative ways can we come up with to support people there? So we'll be sort of looking at that and, and working on some of these programs um, that I mentioned in terms of closing this, this circle of kindness and, and really getting, you know, remove, like you said, further removing those barriers so people can participate in whatever way suits them and we can help facilitate that. Um, yeah, and um, and in terms of, you know, in, in terms of me personally, you know, it, it's just awesome to be involved in a charity, not only that you get to talk about cake and kindness and doing good things every day, but also, you know, how awesome that I get to sit here in this part of the world we've chosen to come and live in and still get to contribute, you know. Um, I I guess that kind of has been a positive from COVID for some people that remote work is becoming more acceptable where, where we can't get to a physical place of work and all those advantages. So that's, um, you know, that's great to be working with an organization that, that, that supports and, and, and promotes that for the people that work with them. So, yeah, I think there's just lots of, lots and lots of cool things happening and, um, you know, and, and can't wait to get stuck in really. Yeah, sure. So the best place is to go straight to our website, which is www.gbb.org.nz, and they'll see a big button there um, both to volunteer. So if you are keen to find out more about volunteering or become a volunteer, you can simply drop down a menu there and see which chapters we have around the country, see if there's one near you, um, and sign up that way. Um, similarly, we're about to go live actually with a new, um, the exact same process for recipients. Um, they can they can go on there as well and find out if they might be able to receive baking for their organisation if they're supporting people um, having a tough time. If you'd love to make a donation to us, either to our Cup of Sugar program or elsewhere, there's also a, a donate button on there. Um, and follow us on social media as well, either on Instagram or Facebook. Well, thank you so much, Katie, for having a. Uh, chat with us today thank you for everything that good bitches baking stands for um, i think it's such a beacon of light for people to just see this amount of kindness um, and just how easy it can be to to be kind and to make a difference in people's lives so um, yeah thank you for all you're doing thank you if if you're listening to this and you're one of the good bitches thank you for all you're doing um, and yeah thank you for helping to bring a bit of heaven down to earth that's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me and for giving us the opportunity to share our mahi with you. Hello, hello heaven. Will I hear you whisper to come near? I have to admit that when Katie told us about the person who thought this must be what it's like to have a mum, I nearly cried. What a profound impact with such a simple act. I think the word I came back to most in this discussion, other than the word bitches of course, which I think I said more in this episode than the rest of my life combined, was the word simple. Kindness isn't complicated. And we can all give kindness. And what a better world we would have if we all focused on doing that every day. Katie, it was a real pleasure to talk to you and to hear about the amazing work you and the GBB team are doing. Thank you for who you are and what you do. Here is a blessing for you.
Katie, may you continue to thrive in and enjoy your role at Good Bitches Baking, championing the mission of kindness. And may you see the fruit of all your mahi. As your children see you live a life founded on kindness and goodness, may those values be instilled in them also, shaping them as they grow to be people who know the importance of kindness and who readily give and receive it as they go about their everyday lives. May GBB continue to grow and may you find new ways to use the resources available to do good in the world. And as you do, may you know the difference you are making in our country in the lives of so many individuals and families. May your good bitches receive as much kindness as they give, seeing the fruit of their planting seeds of kindness as that kindness grows into much more than they could have ever imagined that it could be. May their cups of sugar overflow and their pantries ever be full, that kindness may continue to pour out of their kitchens, showering kindness on those who need it most. And finally, Katie and all your good bitches, may you know you are seen, you are heard, and you are loved. Thanks to Strawn for the music and Rangi for the karakia. Join me next time when I talk to theologian and In The Shift podcast host Michael Frost. We talk about infertility, dealing with life and faith going off script, being an ally to the queer community, and processing with those hurt by various church structures and experiences. It's a rich and healing all. Until then, me inoi tātou. E tō mātau matua i te rangi Kia tapu tō ingoa Kia taumai tō rangatiratanga Kia mea te tau e pai ai ki runga ki te whenua Kia rite anō ki tō te rangi Hummai kia mātau ai nei E taroma mātau mō tēnei rā Mūro mātou hara, me mātou hoki e muru nei i o te hunga, e hara ana kia mātou. Aua hoki mātou e kawea, kia whakawaia, engari whakorangia mātou i te kino.